Turn, if you would, in your Bibles. Turn, in your, if you would, in your Bibles to Psalm 111. Psalm 111. I'd like us to read this psalm and consider this psalm this morning. And we're also going to look at this psalm again this evening as well. Let's read beginning verse 1. Psalm 111. Praise ye the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. The works of the Lord are great, sought out of all them that have pleasure therein. His work is honorable and glorious, and his righteousness endureth forever. He hath made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He hath given meat unto them that fear him. He will ever be mindful of his covenant. He hath shown his people the power of his works, that he may give them a heritage of the heathen. The works of his hand are verity and judgment. All his commandments are sure. They stand forever and ever, and are done in truth and uprightness. He sent redemption unto his people. He hath commanded his covenant forever. Holy and reverend is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. His praise endureth forever. This psalm is a psalm that talks about the greatness of our God. And I would like us, in a sense today, to focus on these first two verses. This psalm starts with praise, and it ends with praise. But sandwiched in there is really verse 2 that I want to focus on. The works of the Lord are great, sought out of all them that have pleasure therein. And I'd like to take that verse and divide it in half. The works of the Lord are great. That's what I'd like us to consider this morning. The showcase of God's works. The showcase of God's great works. And this evening, and I'd like us to look at the second part of that, sought out of all them that have pleasure therein. In other words, that is studied by them that have pleasure in God's great works. And we'll consider the study of God's great works this evening. But this morning, I want us to just look on this theme of really the greatness of God on display. But the psalmist starts with verse 1, this attitude of praise. And to whom is he praising? At verse, praise ye the Lord. That word praise is hallelujah. Hallelujah. To whom deserves our hallelujah? The Lord. Then he describes how we should praise the Lord. says, with my whole heart with all my heart. And I trust we've come today, like the psalmist, 
not just to sit, but we've come to praise God, not half-heartedly, but with all our heart. And where should we praise? It says, in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. And really the talking there is in the assembly of upright. We're thinking of those that are the priests that minister in the tabernacle, the fellowship of the priest. And in a sense, that was a private worship among those that ministered in the house of God. And then in the congregation is in the public worship. So the psalmist here is saying, as we praise the Lord, we should do that both privately and we should do it publicly. We've gathered today for public worship, but I trust that all of us will have that private praising of God uh, with our own devotions, with our family, and looking at what God has done for this church and for our denomination. Oh. What is the psalmist praising the Lord for? Well, he says, the great works. That's the reason for our praise. The great works. And why should we praise? Well, he says, I delight in them. That which we have delight in. That's the motivation of the praise. So in a sense, the psalmist in that first verse is setting the, the, the proposition, we have something to say hallelujah for. And it should be done privately, publicly. It should be done with our whole heart. It should be done because of what God has done. And it should be done because it is delightful to us. And then in verse 2, it says, The works of the Lord are great. The greatness of God's works are on display. The showcase, in a sense, of God's great works Could I say God's great works are on display through His creation? The Bible says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. I don't understand evolution. It doesn't make sense. How do you say something just evolved into what we see? I mean, I, I think of Romans chapter 1, that when they knew God, they, and they glorified Him not as God, neither were they thankful. They became vain in their imagination, and their foolish heart was darkened. How can you say, oh, this just happened? Could I say creation displays the greatness of our God? Um. And God displays his greatness through his character. We serve a great God because of who he is. Um, In verse 4 of this chapter, it says, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. And again, we marvel how that a holy God could have compassion on filthy worms as us. God's character is a showcase of his greatness. God's greatness is also displayed in his commandments, his word. And you look at verse 7, 
It says, the works of his hands are verity and judgment, and all his commandments are sure. God's great because his word is great. God is great because his word is true. God is great because his word is sure. We don't have to doubt God and his word. He's great because of his word. And God's greatness is also displayed through his covenant. Look at verse 9. He sent redemption unto his people. He hath commanded his covenant forever. Holy and reverend is his name. He will save his people. God's greatness is on display. The showcase of God's display. And as we consider that this morning, I want us to consider just three simple thoughts. The works of the Lord are great because they display God's greatness. Then we'll look at the works of the Lord are great because they display God's character. And then the works of the Lord are great because they are displayed and completed through His Son. And in a sense, that prayer that we prayed as children, God is great, God is good, let us thank Him. And really, that's the outline this morning. The greatness of God, the goodness of God, thanking Him because of the glory of God. So let's look first at the works of the Lord are great because they display God's greatness. What makes something great? Isn't that a word we use all the time? Oh, that was great. Have a great day. Have a great weekend. Boy, that was a great game. Um, look at the sunset. That was just great. Boy, that meal was great. You know, we use that word a lot. Uh, what makes something great? There could be that wow factor. So sometimes we use it so flippantly, we lose the wow factor. Um, something could be great because of its importance. An event, uh, we were mentioning in Sunday school about the turn of the millennium. Um, this is a special because we're now going in 2020, it's the start of a new decade. But you remember back in the turn of uh, 2000, that was a a, a great New Year's, if you want to put it that way. Um, but importance could be described greatness. Uh, the magnitude, uh, we call it the Grand Canyon. It could be called the Great Canyon because of the size, the volume, the vastness. Um, you could have great just in the number, uh, the size of something, the number of something. Uh, you wouldn't say, okay, uh, there's a hundred versus a million. A million's great. I was mentioning again uh, recently as I was um, celebrating the birthday of my granddaughter, um, how, ma how many days old she was versus six years. How many days made up six years? And then she said, well, Papa, how old are you? And I multiplied 365 uh, five times <coughs> 65 and came up with a larger number, and wow, that was great, uh, as far as number. Uh, there could be greatness 
my, my grandson the other day, Grandpa, feel my muscle. And there's greatness and power and strength. Um, there's greatness and character. What makes a great man? Uh, we live in a day of celebrities, and celebrities are not always great. Character makes somebody great. Um, so what makes something great? And, and here the description is, uh, the works of the Lord are great. And could I say that they're great because they are God's works? When you think of great, great is a word that is an adjective. It's, it's, it's a comparative. Something's great or something doesn't measure up to it. And when you consider the greatness of God, it's like we were mentioning it again in Sunday school this morning, the frailty of man. When you look at the works of our hands compared to what God's works are, they just don't compare. In fact, as we were considering Solomon this morning, uh, think of the wealth. When, when you considered the who's who in Solomon's day, there was no kingdom that surpassed his wealth. The Bible tells us there was no man that surpassed his wisdom. So you put the wealth, the, the wisdom, the esteem. Solomon was a great man. But in his book of wisdom, Ecclesiastes, he said, I, the preacher, was the king over Israel and Jerusalem. And I gave my heart to seek and search out wisdom concerning all the things that are done under the sun. This sore travail hath God given to the sons of men to be exercised therewith. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. That which is crooked cannot be made straight, and that which is wanting cannot be numbered. He's just saying, boy, what is the work of my hands? And then he said, then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought, and all the labor that I'd labored to do, and behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no prophet under the sun. So when, when we look at what we do in light of God's great works, there's just no comparison. Oh, men could build some great things, but they don't last. They don't last. And when I consider the greatness that men would like to ascribe to themselves, we just need to remember that he is the potter, we are the clay. So, as we consider the, the works of the Lord are great because they display the greatness of our God, could I say that they are great, God's works are great because they are expansive, expansive. This word great here in verse two, the works of the Lord are great. It's the concept of, of manifold. They're just so abundant. They're overflowing. There's, it's just the vastness in a sense of looking out over the Grand Canyon. Psalm 104 verses 24 and 25. Oh Lord, how manifold. That's that. How great, how expansive are thy works. 
In wisdom thou hast made all the earth. The earth is full of thy riches. So is this great and wide sea, wherein all the creeping innumerable things creeping innumerable, both small and great beasts. There's that song, all things bright and beautiful, all creatures great and small, all things wise and wonderful. The Lord God made them all. He gave us eyes to see them. He gave us us lips that we might tell how great is God Almighty who has made all things well. Um, God's works are great because they are expansive. God's works are great also because they're extraordinary. Um, Look at verse 4. He hath made his wonderful works to be remembered. Uh, this idea of wonderful is that which is just actually, that which you remember. Now you think what we remember in life. <laughs> you think what we forget. <laughs> Can't think about what we forgot because we forgot it. But those things that are rememberable, remarkable, they stand out. And what this verse is saying here, that God's works are great because they're so extraordinary that they stand out. And they shout, look how great our God is. Turn over, if you would, just a few uh, chapters to Psalm 107. To Psalm 107. And here again, the psalmist starts with praise. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say, say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of their enemy. He hath gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried unto the Lord in their troubled. And what happened? The greatness of our God was displayed and he delivered them out of their distresses. He led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city of habitation. And what's the result? Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness. And what? For his wonderful, his extraordinary works to the children of men. By the way, you could just go through this chapter, verse 15. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness. Verse uh, 21. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness. Verse 31. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness. And for his wonderful works. And if you look at each of these segments in this chapter, it talks about a certain trial that the children of Israel and the psalmist were facing. In the midst of that trial, they cry out, and God's great, great goodness comes to them in an extraordinary way. And the psalmist is just saying, just remember what our great God has done for you. God's works are great because they are ex- extraordinary. God's words, works are great because they're also exalted. They are worthy of being praised. We know in the book of Revelation how often it says, worthy is the lamb. Worthy. Why is he worthy? Because of what he did, what was accomplished. Uh, the psalmist in one, and uh, go back a page to uh, Psalm 106. 106 verse 1 says, praise ye the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Who can utter the mighty acts of the Lord? 
Who can show forth all his praise? Blessed are they that keep his judgments and, and, do, and, that, and he that doeth righteousness at all time. And when he's talking about this, who else? Who else can do all this? God alone is worthy of our praise. So the works of the Lord are great because God is great. But secondly, the works of the Lord are great because they display the greatness of God's character. They display the greatness of God's character. Let's just walk through this chapter again, Psalm 111. And let's look at how it displays the, in a sense, the showcase of God's great works and the showcase of his character. Look, if you would, at verse 3. His work is what? Honorable. Honorable. It brings honor to his name. We live in a day where whether you're politicians or celebrities or whatever, and where's their honor? Where's their honor? But God's works display his honor. Look at verse 3 at the end. It says um, they're not only honorable, but they're also glorious. Again, the psalmist in Psalm 104.1 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, thou art very great. Thou art, thou art clothed with honor and majesty. We say so often, the majesty and glory are hymn book, the grace and glory. Uh, God is glorious and his greatness is reflected in his character. Look at verse um, four, it says that he hath made his wonderful works to be remembered, excuse me, verse three, uh, and, and his righteousness endureth forever. What God does is right. What God does is right. We live in a day in which everybody wants to question everybody's motives, question whether what was their, their reason for doing something, question whether it was the right thing to do. Isn't it great to know that our God does all things right? He is righteous, and his works reflect that. Also in verse 4, he hath made his wonderful works to be remembered. He, his works display his wonder. And especially this time of year when we think of Handel's Messiah, he's called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. God is a wonderful God. And when we say that word, you think about its essence a God of wonder, great God of wonders all thy ways, we sing, are matchless. Um, unmatchless by man. Um, and then in verse 4 it also, it says that the Lord is gracious. The Lord is gracious. Uh, Psalm 86 says, for thou art great and dost wondrous things. Thou art God alone. Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. I will praise thee, O Lord, 
my God, with all my heart. I will glorify thy name forever, for great is thy mercy toward me. And thou hast delivered my soul from the lowest hell. The works, God's works, display his graciousness. Verse 5, it says, He giveth meat unto them that fear him. And he will ever be mindful of his covenant. God's character is displayed. God's greatness is displayed because he will remember his promise. He will remember his promises, his covenant. What God says he will do, he will do. Verse 6, it says he has shown his, the people his, the power of his works. He is almighty. He can do it. Our God is that children's song. Our God is so big, so powerful, so mighty. There's nothing our God will, cannot do. Verse 7, it says, the works of his hand are verity and judgment. I mean, faithfulness and justice. Our God, great is thy faithfulness and justice. There's what he, what his judgments are, again, are based on what is right. Then verse 8, it says, they stand fast forever and ever. Again, that's the steadfastness. The God, our God is sure, uh, established, trustworthy. It says that he is upright, done in truth and uprightness. This idea of uprightness just means it's well-pleasing. When something's done, it is pleasing. And, and we know that God the Father said that of his son. This is my beloved son in whom I am well-pleased. That is the connotation of that word. God's great works are pleasing works. Uh, that's why in verse 2 that we'll look at tonight, it says we should take pleasure in them because they reflect our God and what our God does should be pleasing to us. And then his works display his providence, verse 9. He sent redemption unto his people. That's an amazing verse. He sent redemption unto his people. And then it says, he commanded his covenant forever. This shows God's care, God's order, God's control over working out his will in the things of this world. Verse 9, it says that holy and reverend is his name. He's to be revered. And then verse 10, he's to be feared. He's awesome. He's awesome. So the premise here is the works of the Lord are great. Why? Well, they just reflect the person that's doing them. We have a great God and what he does, the psalmist could just say, boy, as I'm looking at God and as I'm looking at what he's doing, Wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. But finally, let's look at the works of the Lord are great because they are displayed and completed through his son. The works of the Lord are great because they are displayed through the, what does the Hebrew say? Christ is the author and 
finisher of our faith. And when you look at just look what Christ has accomplished. And it manifests the greatness of our God. You know, um, the religious leaders of Christ's day often challenged him, often, constantly challenged him. In John chapter 10, after being challenged, Christ responds to them, If I do not the works of my Father, believe me not. In other words, if I'm not doing the works that, of God, then don't listen to me at all. But if I do, though ye believe me not, believe the works that ye may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. And what Christ was saying here is, I'm here to reflect the greatness of my Father. I'm doing the works that reflect the greatness of my Father. Therefore, listen to me. And as we consider that, then, the works of the Lord are great because of what Christ accomplished. How does the New Testament describe Christ? Well, he is our great high priest. Our great high priest. Seeing then, Hebrews says, that we have a great high priest that is passed in the heaven, heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmity, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find help in the time of need. Could I say that we have a great God who, through his Son, we have a great mediator that we can come boldly and as we approach this new year, we have an advocate. We have a high priest. And we can do great things because we have access to a great God. That's a wonderful truth. But not only do we have a great high priest, Christ is our great shepherd, is the great shepherd. Hebrews 13, 20 says, Now the God of peace has brought again the dead of our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in the sight through Jesus Christ, to whom glory be glory forever and ever. We have a great shepherd. And you think of a shepherd, you think of someone who leads the sheep. You look at somebody, you think of somebody that protects the sheep. As we enter into this year, don't we need to see God's great work on our behalf, guiding, protecting us, this ministry, our families, our country? We have a good shepherd. We have a great shepherd. We also, Christ is great in his mercy. First Peter 1 says, blessed be God. And Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant, the word there is great mercy, hath begotten us again in lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an incorruptible, inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. We also have Christ as our great God and Savior, Titus 2 
13, 14 says, looking unto the blessed hope and glorious appearing of, of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. And it's that Christ as our great redeemer that I think represents one of the greatest works of our great God. Going down to verse 9, and I think this is appropriate as we're coming out of the Christmas season, he sent redemption unto his people. When you look at the events of history, how they were orchestrated for this redemption, the incarnation of Christ, someone has spelled out and listed more than 300 prophecies were fulfilled in the birth, the ministry, the death, and the resurrection of Christ. Over 300, the, 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 fulfilling all these prophecies that foretold when, where, how. Describe it in such detail, fulfilled. And they said the law of mathematical probability, it just could not happen. But yet, God's great works so divinely prepared the world. What? Why did not God bring the bring his son into the world in the 20, 2020? Why wasn't Christ born in this year? Why was it in Rome? Why was it in that day? Because as Galatians 4, 4 says, when the fullness of time was come, the ripeness of time, God sent his son. However, could I say, if you study that, and we'll look at this a little tonight, if you study it, you can see, wow, look at everything that was divinely prepared. No wonder could the psalmist could say, the works of the Lord are great. In closing, would you turn to Titus chapter 3? Titus chapter 3. And I want us as we consider this theme of the showcase of God's great works. I'd like to challenge us from this consideration this morning. That we ought to showcase what God has done. We ought to showcase. And as we look at Titus chapter 3, let's read the first eight verses. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, sowing all, showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, server, serving divers' lust and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, 
but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost, which is shed on on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works, These things are good and profitable unto men. These verses outline what God's great mercy and compassion has done for us in saving us, in redeeming us. He sent redemption to his people. And it talks about this great mercy. But going down to verse 8, it says, This is a faithful saying, and these things I will affirm constantly, that they which have believed, that's us, might be careful to maintain these good works. Now, wait a minute. It's not by works of righteousness which we have done it. already said that. But yet, this verse is saying we're to maintain good works. And as I was looking at that word maintain, to maintain good works, the connotation there has a very unusual connotation. Have you ever been to a flea market? Um, And and you go to a flea market, and it seems like everybody has some of the same trinkets. (laughs) Uh, Some have them packaged different. Some have the uniquenesses. I've had the opportunity of being... um, in the Orient at, a, at one of the largest fish markets. And literally for a mile, you have little stalls that stretch for a mile. And each stall has freshly caught fish. And it's just a mile of vendor after vendor after vendor. It's like going to Myrtle Beach and seeing a t-shirt shop uh, or going to Somewhere, and you have water slides, and there's a water slide here and a water slide there. and what? Well, how do you know which one to go to? They all look alike. And this word maintain has the connotation of standing before a booth where people are selling wares, like a flea market. And the question is, how do you know which one to shop at? And so when, the, when Titus here is saying, be careful to main good, maintain good works, the connotation is stand before what God has done representing our lives. Stand before the booth of what God has done in our lives, redeeming us, saving us, changing us, and say, hey, folks, Stop. Look what's on display here. It's different. It's different. It's not like the works of our own righteousness. There's something showcased here that points to the greatness of our God. God's works speak greatness. He doesn't need us. 
But what God has done in us reflects his greatness. And thus could I give all of us this charge this year. Could we be like the psalmist and praise the Lord publicly and privately because the works of the Lord are great. Let's pray. Father, we can truly sing how great thou art when we consider the works that thy hands have made. When we consider the glories of thy creation. When we consider the surety of thy word. When we consider the sacrifice that provided our salvation. When we consider thy great mercy and love. Father, help us to showcase that work of righteousness which was done in our lives through Jesus Christ so others can see the change that can take place. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. We're new creatures because of what thou hast did, not because of what we have done. Not what these hands have done, but what your son did on the cross. So may we, as we are at the outset of this new year, reflect on the greatness of our God and say with the psalmist, the works of the Lord are great. Hallelujah. Amen.